Face Podcast with Pete, Craig and Rick. Welcome back everyone to the Footy Face Podcast, the place to tune into if you're hungry for more footy content. Episode 12 this week, guys. How are we feeling? Uh, we're not feeling very good this week, Peter. I have a bit of a sinus headache that I've had for a few days and it's a bit of a drag. But I think we're coming out the other side. Um, but it gave me a bit of time to watch some AFLW, which I'm really excited to hear your guys' opinion about. Um, because I actually quite enjoyed it. So we will get stuck into that a bit later. Richard, how are you today? I'm pretty good, actually. Craig just gave me a, a Matt Rau card. So the new aim of the podcast is to get Matt Rau to sign this bad boy, and I'm going to keep it probably forever. I'm never going to trade him out my fantasy team, and I'm feeling better than Conor McGregor on his boat this week, boys. Wait, I just thought of an amazing idea. We need to have a massive bet. The first person to get their card signed by the player wins. This is like an all-time. This bet can go on for like years because, well, probably Peter's less likely. But yeah, I got Bonson Pelly, so I don't want my. You got like again. five less years to get it on us. But I got Caleb wrong. He's what twenty-one, so I've got a few more years up my sleeve. He's probably not even going to be in the AFL in two years. He's a spud. What do you mean? He's got Matt Rao covered in every instance. Nah, Matt Rao is going to be training with Gary Ablock this off-season. He's going to come out, be an absolute jet next year, boys. You'll also be the easiest signature to get because your player's crap. So no one will want his signature. Are you talking jet in fantasy? Because that's never going to happen. Yeah, it is, mate. All he's got to do is learn to get a little bit of uncontested football. He's already like the fifth best contested football player in the AFL. Because all he does is contested football. I think, wasn't it Rick was just saying that the only reason he's not trading him at the moment because fantasy team because he's worth peanuts? Yeah, I thought that's what he said off air in a private conversation. He said not to air, but and now, yes. And now he's saying, I'm never going to trade him from my fantasy team. Do you have any proof that that conversation happened? <laughs> yes, it was pre-recording. Hey, you've, you haven't already pressed record once. You wouldn't have been recording that. <laughs> Lay it on the line. Will Matt Rao average 85 fantasy points next year? Yes or no? Let me quickly look at Sarong, and I'll tell you if I think he'll average more than what Sarong will average. That wasn't the question. No, he will not average more than Sarong next year. <laughs> Fair enough. And he won't average 85, apparently, because he avoided that. All right, boys. First up this week, following on from last week, we had a special guest for those who didn't listen on the podcast. We had Jezza, the pitch invader from Allied Oval, Showdown 52. If you didn't listen, go back, have a listen. It's a good interview. This week, again, from another successful Rick's Reach Out, we have another special guest. Now, this guest's name is Matthias. We mentioned him at the uh, last week's podcast as well at the end. We're very honored to have him on the podcast this week. He is a top prospect in this year's 2022 AFL draft. Rick and I did an interview with him, and we'll play it for you now. All right, welcome to the Footy Feast podcast, Matthias. Thanks for joining us and taking the time. Um, are you looking forward to being a top prospect in the 2022 draft this year? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm very excited. Um, you know, not every kid uh, gets an opportunity to, um, you know, go to an AFL club. So I guess, you know, to be considered one of the top in, in my class, you know, it's, a, it's, a, it's definitely a privilege and can't wait, can't wait to get stuck into wherever I end up. Yeah, just uh, credit to you being the number one South Australian prospect as well. So that's a big um, accolade straight away. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, coming into the year, I don't think um, 
you know, many people uh, had me as that. Um, you know, I don't even know if many people would have had me getting drafted at all. So, to, so yeah, it's definitely been a privilege to jump to the, you know, a lot of what a lot of people consider uh, me to be as, you know, one of the top prospects in SA. So, yeah, it's definitely a privilege. Yeah, so we did have a look and for some of the South Australian games, you were obviously best on ground. Um, you're obviously a hybrid midfielder forward kicking some bags of goals as well. So long-term, do you see yourself as more of a midfielder or a forward? Um, oh, I see myself as both. Uh, you know, maybe earlier earlier on in my career, maybe a bit more forward or a bit more wing or, you know, wherever I end up. But I think eventually my my um, my starting position, you know, that my main key position will be midfield and then, you know, swapping down forward as, as, as my secondary option. All right, so I'm going to say, who did you barrack for growing up? I was a, I'm a Port Adelaide man, so I, I, I grew up um, going for Port Adelaide. <laughs> Rick will be happy he's a Port man. <laughs> yeah, nah, look, I don't know why or how, but maybe something to do with 04, but I, I just gravitated towards Port. Yeah, fair enough. Now that you've mentioned that, I do hope that you slipped a pick nine and you can say at Port Adelaide. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, are they, are they pick nine? I, I thought, what pick did they are? Port Adelaide ended up with pick nine. I've got a pick. I've got a pick in the top ten. We know that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What was the? Uh, who was the hardest opponent coming through the draft? That obviously you played against. Yeah, yeah. Um, oh, it's a good question. Look, honestly, I'm not too sure. I mean, I've had a lot of good battles, but I don't think there was. Um, I don't I think I've come up against one where I really found myself like you know shut down by him. I think there have been a, a you know a couple guys that I was impressed by and you know their competitiveness on the field and and how they went about it. Um, you know I thought I thought uh, Harley Reid was pretty good from Vic Country. Um, you know, a couple of the Vic Metro boys, you know, the, the ones that I talked about quite a lot. You know, your Ashcrofts, um, that type of thing and. I, my favourite performance was from one of our boys, though, in, in Phoenix Foster in the first game of the PSA uh, against Allies. He he still had one. He was just so impressive that day. So I know he's not an opponent, but that that just stands above the rest against anyone I, I went against throughout the year. But, yeah, probably just Harley Reid, Ashcroft, and and the young Dersma, Dersma lad also from Big Country impressed me at times. Um, so as a player, who do you actually model your game on or what player do you idolise? Yeah, so I've got a couple. Um, I think Bonds and Pelly's one that I watched quite a lot this year. Um, a couple of people like to compare me to him uh, quite a bit, so I started watching him like, more often. And then a bit of Scott Pendlebury as well. Um, I'd say the, they're the main two that I watch and then maybe a bit of Fife from Jeremy Cameron. Yep, nice. Um, so realistically, would you prefer to stay at Adelaide or would you like a challenge of yourself of moving to an interstate club? Um, yeah, look, I don't think I would complain if I, you know, got picked to, to stay in Adelaide, but I would be so excited if I got, you know, picked to go elsewhere. I think, like you said, that that challenge of, of going interstate, um, it would be something new and I think I'd really have to develop you know, as a person more than anything. And, and that, that does really excite me. So I'd probably be more excited if I was going into state, to be honest, you know, that, that, you know, the unknown going into the unknown, just really, really is quite exciting, quite an exciting feeling. Yeah. Like you said, it's just about developing yourself as yeah. like a person as well as a football player. Yeah. Yeah. 
Um, so we asked you who you model yourself on, but you so you said you're a Port fan. Who's your favourite player at Port? Um, oh, I've got a couple. I've like Ollie Wines, Travis Boak. Um, you know, I'm a fan of Jake too because played with him last year, and it's pretty impressive seeing how he's playing this year, considering you know he was a he was a later pick. So yeah, a lot of guys, honestly. Um, what's the forward? What's our the there's what's the name of our um key forward who's like he's young and he's doing really well. I can't believe I've forgotten his name, but uh, Georgiades, yeah, George. I love Georgiades, but it's it's oh, it's the other one, it's the it's the he's, he's skinny and he's like he's blonde, he's a blonde, he's tall. Todd Marshall, yeah, Todd Marshall, yeah, that's it. Todd Marshall, that's him, yeah, he's impressive, he's really impressive. Him, but Georgiades as well, like the way he flies for the ball. But look, I just like all the core players to be honest with you. I really like Chad Wingard and Robbie Gray. Back in you know the early 2010s, so yeah, just pretty much everyone. Um, so being an SA boy, have you actually gone out and trained with Paul Crows like as an invitation? No, nah, I didn't. I didn't get an opportunity to train with um, Port or Adelaide earlier in the year. Um, have you trained with any clubs then? No, nah, no. Nah. And how, how's the um, how's the nerves and the the emotions running through your head and all that with the leading up to the draft? Um. Oh, not too bad, to be honest with you. I think um, earlier in the year when, you know, I was still kind of unsure of if I was going to get drafted or if I was doing enough to put my name forward, that was quite a nerve-wracking time. Uh, but I was always pretty confident in, in my abilities and, and um, you know, I always had a sense of, you know, knowledge in where I was going. I felt like I was always going to get drafted and that, that, don't, that didn't really waver, uh, hasn't really wavered all year, to be honest with you. So, look, I, I've been nervous at times, you know, whether before games, but overall I've been, I've been pretty relaxed and I've just enjoyed it. Yeah. So the only thing between now and the draft is the draft combine? Yeah. Yeah. The national combine, yeah. Coming up in uh, early October, yeah. Um, so with the draft combine, do they actually inform you prior to what it is or you just need to do your own training to impress at that point? Yeah. So our um, the state uh, training, like it's optional. You either do whatever you want to do or there's, you know, you can seek out um, like a program with the, with the trainer and things like that. But I think most guys just do their own thing, to be honest with you. Yep. Obviously, you're in year 12 this year. So how have you actually gone with balancing semi-professional slash professional football while still completing year 12? Um, I found it pretty easy um, because I've only had to do two subjects this year. So I did like three year 12 subjects in year 11. Um, so I had a, I've almost had an easier year this year in terms of football and school because in year 11 I was doing three year 12 subjects as well as some year 11 subjects as, and then football and basketball Um at quite high level, so look, I found I found it quite easy to manage this year. Um, but yeah, the year before was was rigorous at times. Yep, obviously you're inspiring to a lot of young people in SA. Do you have any advice you'd like to give other people who are trying to follow the same path as you? Yeah, yeah, I'll just say you know, be confident, be confident in yourself, but have that have that level of confidence where you know you've got things you've got to get better at. Understand that you you know you're not perfect. You, you never, you never can really achieve that. But you know, strive to you know, in a way, strive to try and be perfect. But also have that understanding that you know, it's it's it, there's a fine line between pushing yourself too hard and and things like that. But then 
I guess training wise, I would say, um, you know, build, build a base, young kids out there. I think it's extremely important to have athletics and, and running as, and start developing that really early because, you know, you can teach skills over, you know, you can, you can really improve your skills quite drastically over, you know, two months even. Um, but you can't, you can't teach athletics. It's something that takes years of development from a young kid. So, you know, that's pretty much all, uh, all the feedback I would probably give someone up and coming. Last question I have is um, you're a Henley High student. Obviously, he's have a really good football academy. He's been producing a lot of first-round draft, draft picks. So Jack Lacocious, Isaac Rankin, and yourself, you're joining a pretty nice list of players there, and you're going to have your photo up on the wall. <laughs> How does that make you feel? Yeah, it's good, but I wasn't actually – I didn't get picked in the footy program. So the basketball – I was in the basketball program. Yeah, that was one so, of my next questions was whether or not footy was your first choice. Um, yeah, well, it's it's funny because I always consider myself a basketballer until this year, really. Um, football kind of kind of grabbed a hold of me, to be honest. So I, I, think, I still think I'm better basketball than what I am footballer, but um, – <laughs> Yeah, it's funny how that works. Uh, but nah, I didn't get picked in the in the footy uh, Henley program. So, um, you know, if my name does end up going up on the wall, it'll be it'll be because of the basketball program, which is pretty funny to think about. But yeah, look, footy programs um, it does a great job. It's, it's developed a, a heap of good talent, obviously. But yeah, it's just it's going to be different for me. Yeah, so your football club got banned from the school league anyway, and you didn't even play. Yeah, exactly. We didn't even play in the private stuff. Yeah. So if you if you only kind of really got into footy this year, like you said, what what swayed you towards football away from basketball? So yeah, so at the end of at the end of um last year, like I've always been playing football and basketball all the way through, but I just basketball was always the thing that you know kind of. Uh, maintain my interest more and it wasn't until last year really when I had an opportunity to train with the seniors uh, with the Eagles um, you know the senior boys and and also have an opportunity out at North Adelaide um, to train with their seniors as well and I was looking at it at the time as even if I dominated you know, out at North Adelaide, which would be, you know, a really hard thing to do. The the NBL, you know, the 36ers aren't going to be, you know, screaming, you know, come up, you know, play. And, you know, you wouldn't get much time even if you did. So, and I really wanted to put my best foot forward out, you know, with the seniors and, and push for, you know, reserves and, and league selection and, and things like that. So, you know, knowing it was my draft year as well, I just I just thought it would it would be the best for my football if I just let go of basketball and, and put all my energy into footy. Yeah, right. That's yeah, a good well, story. It's really paid out, paid off for you. Yeah, yeah. I mean, thanks. thanks we've read the, read the read ups on your statistics, and yeah, your your stats definitely light up with being a good footy player. So we're looking forward to um, seeing you. <laughs> yeah, no, thanks, guys. Thanks, I appreciate it. Uh, just the last thing: Do you feel like you're gonna be physically prepared to play next year? Yeah, hundred percent, definitely. Yeah. How yeah. much? How I much mean, work you've been putting in for that. Oh, uh, it hasn't really started at the moment because I'm doing rehab on my ankle. But I was reading some like, big footy stuff before I came on here, and it, and it, and they said one of them said like, "Oh, he's got a chronic back problem," and I just started laughing because it's like my back, my back's <laughs> been fine. <laughs> it's just funny. I love reading it because it's like people take stuff like 
so so out of context and they worry so much you know those diehard fans but i've been rehabbing my ankle at the moment and you know i'm taking it you know pretty carefully knowing i've you know i've had a good year and you know i've put my name forward already but if 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 the reserves boys win this week then i'll probably i'll definitely be playing next week so i'm excited to be a part of that so i'm still gonna i've still already started running um so that looks like, you know, two to three running sessions a week, getting ready for uh, the sprints and the, and the 2K. And I've, I've been doing gym for the past, like bench press and stuff like that. So my power's, you know, ready for the jumping and, and all that type of stuff. So it, it's, been a, it's been a long process. I've been, you know, in a way, been building for the combine um, for like the last four years, really. Um, but I guess the main, the main running is going to start you know, either this at, at the end of this week or next week. So I'm looking, I'm looking forward to it. Yeah. Awesome. I'm really looking forward to watching you next year. No, thanks Rick. I appreciate it. Hopefully, hopefully it's with your team. Hopefully it's with Port Adelaide. <laughs> no, you wouldn't complain, would you? you get, get to play for the team that, that, um, you know, you grew up supporting. That'd be pretty surreal. Yeah. And obviously Port Adelaide have really good passionate supporters. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Most clubs do though. Yeah, every club's got really passionate supporters, don't they? Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, on behalf of the Footy Feast podcast, we wish you all the best in the draft this year, mate. Um, and we really appreciate you taking the time and uh, giving us a call in. No, thanks, guys. Thanks again for having me on. Really appreciate it. No worries. See you, mate. Appreciate it. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So moving on to AFLW, as Craig was saying, uh, I got to watch a few games on the weekend. I enjoyed it. A little bit slower paced than the AFL. Uh, we're used to but nevertheless it was it was good to watch um, I didn't get my AFLW fantasy team in last week but mine will be going in this week because the lockouts just opened up overnight but I hear Rick got his team in and how did you go Rick? Yeah well I'm not sure what a good score is but I don't think 800 is a very good score um, to be fair this is the first time I've ever done AFLW I haven't watched that many games I'm currently ranked in the top 3,000 people in Australia, though, so I'm pretty happy with that. There's only 4,000 people in the well, league. there you go. I'm still happy with 2,500. I'm in the top 4,000. Let's go. Um, so, honestly, I just literally winged it and just looked up people that were drafted this year because they were going to be cheaper, um, put some of them in the team. Some of the people were letdowns and some of the people obviously blew up. But um, no, I'm just excited to actually learn more and be more engaged with the AFLW because of fantasy predominantly. So yeah, we good. You mentioned the other week uh, that you're going to join the Port Adelaide AFLW as a member. How's that, that going? Is that yeah. still going to happen? Yeah, it's still going to happen. I haven't done it yet, but I'm going to try to actually go to the game this weekend because it'll be a home game this weekend. Yeah. As a member, that sounds good to me. All right. Well, I did watch some AFLW on the weekend. I, I didn't get to watch Carlton Collingwood game. I watched the Crows-Melbourne game and my initial thought was that they were a lot cleaner around the ball. They were less fumbly. They were a lot better at picking it up and distributing it. By hand, I found they were a lot better. Uh, sometimes they do handball to no one or to the opposition. So there is a little bit of work that needs to be done because there's still a little bit of panic going on, but still early stages. Um, the Crows look good, but Aaron Phillips was a noticeable omission. Um, Anne Hatchard is a beast. She is definitely the Crows' best player now. Yeah, by far. Yeah, like the, what she does with the ball um, is pretty amazing. I didn't watch the Kangaroos and the Suns one. 
I watched some of West Coast Port and, well, I watched the first half and at halftime I thought Port were up. Yeah, I actually watched the third quarter because all I had time to watch because I thought I'd tune in for a bit. And um, it stayed reasonably competitive. Um, it's just West Coast were a little bit better and actual capitalised from going forward. It was still a close game on the eye test um, in the third quarter, but like I said, West Coast just capitalised every time they went forward really compared to Port and they were just struggling to kick the goals. Yeah, I thought Port was certainly in with the chance. Some of their big guns that they got across didn't fire. Houghton was okay and Phillips was okay, but they didn't really tear the game apart. But Port did get a rising star. Um, yeah, they did get a nomination. Yeah, she was a leading disposal winner on the ground, so good on her. Um, I wish I could remember her name. Her last name starts with D. Sorry, I'm very new at this AFLW, so we'll come back to that. I then had a look at the Essendon and Hawks game, and one thing that stood out to me was this young lady named Maddie Press-Parkus. She, if you have a look at the stat sheet, she dominated the game. She had 26 touches. The next highest out of anyone on the ground was 17. She literally had the ball on a string. She literally single-handedly beat the Hawks, which brings me to final game I had a look at, which was Geelong-Richmond, and they had... That was a very low-scoring game, but Geelong got a controversial free at the end and won the game with the other Press Parkers, her sister, kicking the match winner. So, big weekend for those girls. Um, Just on that game, I didn't get to see the game, but I saw the clip at the end of the siren going and them winning. I know that they had the... It looked like they had most of the grandstand of the stadium closed and all the supporters were kind of confined to one, one stand. However... It looked so much better for a viewing point when they fanned to the crowd and everyone was cheering when everyone was all together as opposed to spread out scarcely through the field. I'm sure during the game, the atmosphere probably doesn't sound as good, but viewing-wise, it looked it looked really good. It looked When they when they panned to it, it looked like there was like 15,000 people there, but there's probably only about, I don't know, 5,000. But Yeah, I mean, they got 12 at a couple of different games. Definitely the Marvel one with Essendon and Hawthorne, they got 12 at. Um I think there is a, a growing, a growing I guess, from the fans. They do have an interest in AFLW. And again, as the standard gets better, um, people will become more interested. And now everyone's got their team in, like Rick's now, showing a lot more interest now that Port Adelaide are in there, which is fair. Um, otherwise, he would have had to pick another team. But the main points I took from AFLW this first week were that you need to have the best players in the competition in your team like the standard between the top 20-30 players in the competition and the rest is a massive drop off. Uh, Any team that has one of the absolute jets of the competition usually is the team winning was something I noticed and I also noticed that you need to really forget the score or so much in a game because if you look at it isolated you're like 26 to 44 18 to 36 you gotta just forget about the score um the contest is actually really good to watch in itself well it's a much more contested game yeah it is yeah like there's a lot more tackling stoppages a lot more ball ups a lot more a lot more crumbs and picking up scraps and all that which is it is good to watch they are the games played between the 50 arcs but the quality of football is actually not that bad it's just that getting it into the defensive 50 and goal finishing needs a little bit of work but i mean in the afl they're pretty shit at goal kicking anyway so yeah, well, sometimes look at look at max king now the other week just yeah zero could, five could kick a goal so so i don't blame anyone for that but um i enjoyed it for a first weekend i definitely found it watchable some games probably will be a lot harder to watch but 
um, as an experience. I am on board at the moment with the AFLW, and I look forward to hopefully getting to a live game at some point. So last week you said you're not affiliated to Collingwood. So are you a Crows AFLW supporter, or are you jumping ship to Collingwood? Uh, no, I I certainly am more on the Crows at the moment, and actually quite enjoy watching Port because I want both of them to do good. So I don't really have affiliation towards anyone. South Australian teams I want to do good at this point in time. Um, and then I'm okay if Collingwood wins as well, but I really am more in the South Australian camp. I want both teams to do well at this point in time as fans get more feral, I guess, and more one-sided in the AFLW. I guess it'll change and I'll have to start picking a side, but for the time being, I'm happy just being a neutral, enjoying the South Australian teams doing good, mainly because a lot of the teams in the Port and the Crows are just made up of South Australian players. So I just want them to do good because they're South Australians. So if that makes sense, that's sort of why I enjoy watching the South Australian teams because a lot of friends of friends and everything play for South Australian teams and I just want them to do good. Right, so during the week, we put up a couple of Instagram uh, stories for listener questions. Um, we also did the Taranto versus Jackson versus Rankin. Uh, Rick, who won that on the Instagram story voting? So we got 77 votes this week, boys. So that's pretty good. So we're still trending roughly in the same direction. Um, so we, Isaac Rankin come in third place with 22% of the votes. Uh, Luke Jackson come in second with 36% of the votes. And Tim Taranto won with 42%. Oh, he won by four votes. Okay, so people thought if you had $850,000, you would rather spend it on Tim Taranto for your team. So the format is going to look like we're all going to put a little case together and have a little debate. Um, I guess we can shoot each other down too if we want to badmouth the player that the other person's speaking for. So I'll um, be talking for Rankin. And Peter will be advocating for Taranto. And Rick will be advocating for Luke Jackson, which um, he advocates for Luke Jackson anyway. So it's pretty easy for him to just talk about his, one of his boys, I like to call him, in Rick's stable. All right. Does anyone want to lead it off? You do. I do. Okay. Isaac Rankin. Now he is probably he's probably the least decorated out of all three of the players. Um, I must admit I wasn't on board Rankin before this year. I thought he was going to be a waste of talent. His draft profile was actually really strong. He had strengths were goal sense, explosiveness, pressure, composure, and skills. He has X factor. He's lightning quick, agile. Um, and he averaged three goals a game in under 18. So coming through, I mean, we were all really confident that he was going to turn into a footballer. It has taken him some time. But I just want to highlight a four-week stretch during the year between rounds, well, rounds 12 and round 16. So, well, it's only a four-week stretch because he missed round 13. Um, in round 12, 16 disposals. Two goals, three behinds, a couple of tackles, some inside 50s, and a very solid performance for a small forward. Next week, 17 disposals, three goals. The next week, he had 12 disposals, and he had three goals. And then in round 16, he had 18 disposals and four goals. So his value is a 15 possession, three to four goal forward. Um, 
in any team. Adelaide Crows, that would look really good. That's what Rochelle did earlier in the season. Putting him next to Rochelle in the forward line of the Crows um, looks like a pretty good idea to me. We know his potential. We're starting to see it now with 48 games under his belt, only 22 years of age. And uh, for $850,000, I think the Crows are getting an interesting deal. But you've got to spend money to make money. And hopefully he brings a bit of X factor and star power to the Crows that they are looking for. Um, with Rochelle. They're the poster boys going forward. All right. What do you have to say on Rankin, Rick? So, first of all, he's a small forward, mm-hmm. correct? Correct. And he is below average for his season for marks and for tackles. Yes, he did not have a very good start to the year. Yeah, he only come to form the latter half of the season. I would say from anywhere from round yeah, anywhere from round eleven and twelve onwards, he had a better second half of the year, definitely. All right, my next thing is right now, say if there's only one spot at the Crows, say if say if miraculously they draft like let's say a small forward in this year's draft who blows up and you've got two small forward spots, you've already got Rochelle. Do you play Rochelle before you play Isaac Rankin? If you can only play one of them too. It is a good question. Yeah, it is. I think solely because you're paying him eight fifty, he'd probably be playing him. Yeah, I think I'm playing Rochelle uh, second to Rankin. I'm moving yeah. Rochelle into the midfield and I'm leaving no, Rankin up you, forward. You can only play one of these players. All right, l- let's go back to when I did the the two players had a punch up and you can only keep one. Would you be shipping out Rochelle or would you not be recruiting Rankin? That's tough because we haven't seen... Rochelle's potential. Well, we've seen glimpses of what he can do, but we haven't seen him at his full potential yet. So, and I, I personally just loved watching him to begin with, and I, I got around him. So, oh, but that's a really tough, tough decision. I'm going to be pro ranking because he's already AFL ready and has the runs under his belt. Who kicked more goals last year out of Rochelle and Rankin? Rankin, because he played a lot more games than Rochelle. That'd probably be the only reason. Yeah, fair. No, that's all I had to say. Just once again, I've already voiced my opinion. I think it's pretty stupid that they're bringing Rankin in for 850. Number one, we're already talking is not worth that and a club's actually paying him this. The only way that it's going to be worth it is if the Crows are just going to decide he's a midfielder as of next year, which he probably does have the potential and upside to actually be a good player. But it's a huge gamble because if you try that and that blows up, you've got a pretty average forward pocket and you've already got someone like Josh Rochelle who he's probably going to be demanding big money in a few years and you'd rather have him, especially because he's Victorian. You're probably going to have to pay him more money to stay. Well, that's the issue too. If, if the other forwards like Rochelle starts performing, Rankin's pay bracket kind of sets a precedent for the other forwards, doesn't it? Well, it does. Um, they had to pay him more to get him out of the Gold Coast, but I mean, Rochelle projects to be anywhere up around that kind of dollar value anyway. They may have even been bringing Rankin in as insurance in case Rochelle does decide he wants to go home. I don't really see that. He doesn't seem like that kind of guy. Um, I think he's pretty happy at the Crows, but um, having two small forwards on your books with X Factor is quite amazing. The only question I have is, does he need to have Charlie Cameron kind of numbers to justify 850k a year? Is that what you're expecting for that man? I'm expecting Charlie Cameron. Yeah, for eight fifty a year, you need to be performing and you need to be earning that eight fifty. Yeah, so he needs to be about forty five goals a year or twenty five touches in the midfield at least to be able to earn that kind of money. 
do you think the Crows are upset that they let Rankin leave for almost nothing? That they've just brought Rankin in when they could have had Charlie Cameron all these years? Yeah, well, that's another good question. <laughs> that is not that's, part of this debate yeah, right that's, now. That's starting to digress. So, right. uh, Who's uh, next? I had Taranto. So 24 years old, obviously at GWS, averaged 25 disposals. Five tackles this year, and he kicks a lot more than he handballs, so he uses it well. He's not just a not just a pincher for cheap cheap touches. He's averaged four inside fifties a game. Uh, we've seen that he got played up forward a little bit uh, more this year as well, but I think he plays best on the ball in the midfield. Um, he is just an all round good player. He just gets he's good at getting the contested ball and he's good at getting those inside 50s to advantage and hits a player all the time so I really think that uh, I agree obviously with the poll um, that Taranto is the one to get for 850 if you're picking between these three players Um, just a question digressing a little bit for you guys but obviously why I don't know why he's not going to stay at GWS but they have got Cornelio until 2026 Green until 2026 Whitfield until 2027 and Kelly until 2029. That is some big money and some big contracts there for a team which on paper, those names sound good, but they have just been shithouse this year as a team, as a collective. I agree. I like how you said on paper there because on paper, they do have a better list as Rick and me have argued many times before about who would you rather coach, GWS or North? And I think I'd rather have North's list over GWS's. Um, Rick thinks you'd rather have GWS's, but I think with all that talent, um, why did they play so crap this year? So And that, uh, that midfield is not going anywhere. No, anytime soon, it. so you've got to fix them problems. Um, and then also you've got Taranto, you know, basically leaving as well. So The problem is you've just given so many of your players all this money. All the other players know that there's not money left for them anymore on top of all these players on heaps of coin who are all probably mates to just like laugh and not taking it seriously because they all just signed eight-year deals. Like if you're going to get an eight-year deal, you need to be a player that they can see is – so passionate about football that you you just want to be a winner. If I was a manager in charge of the club management, I would not be giving a player a huge contract unless at training I could see that they were the hungriest, they never cheated diet, they do extra because like you're banking on them being someone in eight years' time from now. Eight years is a bloody huge contract. That like Kelly is there till twenty twenty nine. There's that's there's still seven years away. Like and look look at their midfield. Like, yeah, we're just saying they've got good players on paper, but they're just they've been shithouse this year. And you you're paying all these players all this big money and you've got no choice but to just to roll with the punches with them now. Yeah, and some of them have turned into bad contracts. Like they are gonna have to start shipping off some of these contracts. They can't keep all of them and they just need to make a decision on who is the hungry, who's the passionate one at that club. Like Toby Green's not going anywhere, he's captain now. Stephen Cornelio just decided he wants to play football again. Yeah. They honestly need to look like at ship at shipping out like a Lockie Whitfield or a Josh Kelly. Like they'll be good at another club. Like they might go to another club and rekindle their best form. Like you go back two years and Lockie Whitfield still got four and five years left on their contract though. Yeah, but like you go back two years. Lockie Whitfield was like one of the best players in the AFL. He's arguably one of the best kicks in the AFL. Like super clean kick. Can play wing, can play forward, can play back. He can just do everything. And all of a sudden, like, he just looks disinterested and looks like an average football player. When you get an eight-year deal sitting there at 
850 grand, you don't really need to perform to to any expectations anymore because you're you're signed for life, which I think is why they try to avoid these really long deals because once you got it, life's pretty cushy. If you have a shit year, who cares? You're still getting paid 850 for the next five years. So um, it definitely ruins the incentive. For example, I mean, it's not equal playing field, but Jordan Degoe is potentially going to get a two-year deal with massive incentives around performance and things like that just to continue his AFL career. And he's going to be playing his guts out because he wants another big money deal at the end because he's only on two years. Whereas these other boys that are on massive year contracts are just sitting back. Life's pretty good in GWS, I imagine, in uh, driving around the Ferraris um, out in the middle of nowhere um, where no one cares who you are. So I think that club is in a bit of a disaster state. That being said, I go for Collingwood and we are actively paying everyone else's contract to play other teams. So <laughs> I can't really I can't really speak. We're king of bad contracts at the moment. So yeah. But yeah, we, we, digress we, digress, we digressed. We digressed a little bit there. But bottom line, Taranto is just an all round good footballer. Um and I think out of those three, hundred percent, eight fifty, I'm picking him every day of the week. I have a few questions for you. Sure. Do it. So you know my boy Clayton Oliver. How have you not heard of him? You mentioned. I reckon I'm going to go back. I reckon you've mentioned him every podcast. Probably, but so here's a question for you. So he is on about nine hundred thousand dollars a year. Yes. And you're talking about giving Taranto eight fifty. Well, you put in that comparison. You're talking all of these players. Well, you're talking Rankin. Are you going to compare him with Clayton Oliver? No, but you would have to compare Isaac Rankin to a forward who's worth that. So yeah, so Charlie Cameron, like what we did. Yeah, I mean, fair enough. But still, oh, if if Clayton Oliver's on nine hundred. Taranto's on eight fifty. That's that's all right. I'd pay. Eight, well, you wouldn't pay eight fifty for Taranto at your club. Not if there was a bigger open market. Like Bontempelli's probably only on nine hundred. Petrarca's on about eight fifty. So like, there's like if you compare midfielder to midfielder, he's not worth that much. Yeah, but he's versatile as well. Yeah, uh, I just I think fair enough. Taranto for eight fifty is still a pretty good deal, but at the same time, I, I'm just basing this because I'm about to argue for my boy. Yeah, no, I get it, but yeah. Every day of the week for me, Taranto, out of these three. All right, so over to me then. Um, so my argument's a little bit different. So you're talking about a player who won the Rising Star last year. He was literally the game changer in the grand final when Craig's friend Matt Gorn couldn't get it done. Um, he come out there, he turned that game on its head, and he won his team uh, premiership. Melbourne, who are probably one of the best teams this year, they're doing everything they can to try and keep him. There's rumors that he's going to be offered $1.5 million a year. So if you can get this guy for eight fifty, you're laughing. The thing about Luke Jackson is he's a reasonably good key forward. And then when it's his time and he moves into the ruck as a mainstay ruckman, he's going to be an absolute beast. If you look back to his um, under-18s championship when he... Um, was obviously paying with people his own size. He averaged 36 hitouts a game. So when he builds that size and he's ready to go, he's just going to start absolutely carving up. So he averaged 15 disposals and 37 hitouts a game when he was playing against people um, his own size. If you were to compare that, you're talking about like almost Brody Grundy, Matt, um, Max Gorn levels. So you can get him for 850 now i'd be signing him up to as we just talked about you wouldn't give him a big deal but i'd be signing him to a long deal because he's only going to get better well i would argue that you're paying eight hundred fifty thousand dollars a year for a player that is average in disposals at 14 he takes three marks a game as the tallest player on the ground 
that's pretty average. You said he's a really good key forward, 0.6 goals a game. Okay, no really good key forwards kick 0.6 goals a game, that's for sure. Hit outs, 11 a game. Jeremy Finlayson gets 11 a game. That's nothing too special. Um, big whoop for him. He uh, does get a few clearances and a few inside 50s. He doesn't get any rebounds from 50s, so he only plays forward of the ball. And when he plays forward of the ball, he only kicks 0.6 goals a game. So, I mean, you're playing for someone out there who's just a really big traffic cone, essentially. Um, $850,000 a year on potential, maybe, but there's no way he has earned $850,000 a year at this point in time. He had a good grand final in the second half, yes, but I would argue there were better players on the ground that day. We talked we talked about it before, but off air, would, this is for you, Rick, would Jackson play as well as he does at Melbourne, at another club, without support that Melbourne has with the with the status of their players. Yes, he'd play better if he was at a, a club other than Melbourne because he wouldn't be stuck behind Max Gorn. You look at that one game this year where Max Gorn didn't play. What he had twenty disposals, twenty hitouts, nine tackles, like five clearances. He's an animal. You wait until he gets that number one ruck roll. He is going to be a beast. He is probably one of the best ruckmen I've seen below his knees. He lays heaps of tackles. His follow-up work's insane. Like, if you go back to his draft profile, let's look at this. Athleticism is a strength, ruck craft, follow-up work, tackling, marking. He does that. His improvements were lack of senior experience. Guess what? He just won a grand final. Size. He's put on nine kilos last year, and I'm pretty sure he's going to put on more size this year, and his versatility. He already is playing a dual role now. Like, he's learning the forward craft now because when he becomes a primary ruckman, he's going to be the guy resting forward and those stats are going to go up. So Craig bashing his stats, that's a bit rough considering he's behind Max Gorn. <laughs> if Max Gorn played at Collingwood, none of your ruckman would even get to play. Brody Grundy's about to go be second fiddle to Max Gorn. Well, that's very true. That is very fair at the moment. I would argue that he's about to go to Fremantle and be second, second fiddle to Sean Darcy because I would have Sean Darcy every day of the week in my team over Luke Jackson and I would pay Sean Darcy $850,000 a year and I would pay Luke Jackson the other one fifty a year left to make a million dollars between them. Sean Darcy is a much better ruckman than Luke Jackson. He will continue to be going forward, I think, for at least the next couple of years, if not longer. Um, yeah, he's going there to play forward and he's a pretty average forward at best. So... I think this is a waste of money by Fremantle. Like we just said, though. Um, you, what did we say? You were trying to argue for Isaac Rankin, who we said that Josh Rochelle, who's played seven games, we're probably going to play over him if we had to cut to the chase. That's what you said. Rick- I did not say that because I was arguing for Rankin. So why would I say that? So Fremantle are about to offer this guy $1.5 million. I'm sorry. And Sean Darcy is made out of glass. Luke Jackson is going to get an opportunity next year and he's going to prove when he's a number one ruckman that he may not win as many hitouts as Sean Darcy, but what he does around the ground is going to be a lot better. And then Sean Darcy is probably going to get traded because you don't want a part-time football player. Luke Jackson's a full-time football player. What do you mean? Sean Darcy played 19 games this year and 21 last year. Literally missed four games in the last two years. How was he made out of glass? How was he? Well, you need to check your stats before no, you start coming injured. with that. Oh, always injured. And if he's always injured and playing 19 and 21, much better year. Um, what did Luke Jackson play out of curiosity this year? I would wonder if it was actually less 
than Sean Darcy in terms of actual games this year. If that was the case, that would- 20. 20. Oh, and 21 Sean Darcy, last year. And 21. So he's playing the exact same amount of games as Sean Darcy. Admittedly, he's more of a kid, so we don't expect him to play all the time, but God, you're getting the exact same player, but Sean Darcy is better right now. All right, any more on the argument between those three? Nah, I think I won. Rankin is who we'd all pick to pay. Excellent. <laughs> Pete, cut the, cut the there. Cut it. Finish. Actually, while we're here, though, so now, like, obviously it is situational based on clubs. So, hypothetically, who would you want to your club? So, Craig, who would you want at Collingwood? I would take Tim Taranto. I've advocated for him for a long time. I think in the midfield is where we need more, just more polish, more ball-winning ability, more youth as well. So I think, yep, yeah, he's who I would have at Collingwood at 850. Hey, I'll take Taranto at the Crows. Yeah, um, I would take Jackson just because Scott Lysette, who knows what's happening with him. But if we had a good Ruckman, I'm the same. I'd take Taranto as well. Yeah. Beauty. All right. That was good fun. Didn't we have a listener question this week, Rick? We did. Um, it was. Uh, so the listener question was from Ryan Roberts, and it was, are Port Adelaide going to trade in some picks because they have pick eight and then nothing until pick 53? No, because I don't know what trade currency they have. I think their best bet would be to get the Eamon pick, which will be the start of the second maybe, around 20-odd. And then that pick eight is just going to turn into Josh Dunkley based on all the mail coming out right now. So I would think they need to trade in picks because they're not going to have any. But I think the pick eight is Josh Dunkley's at the moment. Rick? Yeah, I have no idea what they're going to do. Obviously, they've traded away a lot of future picks. Um, They might try to trade back into this year's draft with picks from next year. Who has currency that you would trade, though? You wouldn't trade your wines. You wouldn't trade your Burtons. Would you trade your key backs? Any of them got any currency? Probably not. They got dominated this year, mostly. You got some forwards that have currency, Georgiades, but would you get rid of him? Um, I reckon Xavier Dersma as well is another yeah. one. I probably think he'll leave. You'll probably get like a late, late really first, late early first, second. early second. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know what Port's plan is really going to be regarding the draft. Um, yeah. A lot of their best players are older though, like so your Dixons, your Bokes, your Greys and stuff like that. So they've all retired at the end. They don't really have any currency or need to move on. You'd have to, as you say, move a Dersma, which is probably one player you could move, but I wouldn't move too many more if I was Port Adelaide really. Yeah, I also read Miles Bergman might leave as well. So there's another one. It's mainly the young players that actually are looking at leaving more than anything. Um, you also never know. If Josh Dunkley does come out and say he wants to go to Port, there's nothing saying that Western Bulldogs, they need another key forward. They might not. They might ask for a Georgiades. They might even want a Charlie Dixon. But they're in the window now. Charlie Dixon taking the biggest defender with Aaron Norton running around as your centre-half forward, being able to be more mobile and a Josh Bruce in their deep as well. So that's a much more potent forward line than what they have now. So you just never know what the Western Bulldogs are actually going to want. They don't have any key defenders really, but we don't really have anything to offer them there. That's probably our biggest weakness as well. But um, no, it'll be interesting. I do hope Josh Dunkley decides that he wants to come to Port, but at the same time, uh, last time Western Bulldogs wanted two first round picks, they're definitely not going to be getting that from Port as we only have one. So you just don't know. Yeah, I'd argue Josh Dunkley's 
currency is probably only worth one first round pick as he gets older anyway. So I think they had their chance for two and they missed it last year. He's only 25, so he's still really young. Yeah, he's still got plenty of prime left. Yeah, but I don't feel like he dominated as much as he did last year. His star wasn't as bright this year as it was last year because they... Through Dunkley. Yeah, they he weren't as good this year. They more this year as well. Yeah, they, they weren't as dominant this year. They didn't make... You know, they only finished eight. They scraped in. Um, he played a bit more forward at times. I don't feel like he really dominated any games like he did last year. I feel like he's still a. He's pretty elite. consistent this year, though. Yeah, consistent, yeah. but I don't feel yeah, like there wasn't the there wasn't the wow factor like last year. No, I feel like he just gets overlooked for some reason through the midfield, and I can't figure out why. Um, which is probably the only alert that I would have if I was Port Adelaide. Why does he keep getting overlooked by Beveridge to be a midfield forward line? Um, I think he's definitely a better midfield than he is a forward. Yeah, but it's because Western Bulldogs have ample amount of midfielders. Like Liberatore was one of the best clearance players in the AFL. You've got Bontempelli. You've got to give Bailey Smith a piece. Otherwise, he's not going to stick around because he'll get offered something better somewhere else. Like you just got all these, like Jack McRae. Are you like, saying Dunkley sits below all of them? Because that's what you're saying. So you're trying to target the sixth best midfielder at the Bulldogs because you've just named six ahead of him. So I, I if he's that he's, good... I'd say he's their third best midfielder. Third best midfielder behind Bontempelli? And Bailey Smith. And Bailey Smith. So he comes in third behind them. In that case, I'd be happy to go after him if I was Port. But yeah. why is he not playing in the midfield if he's the third best? Yeah, exactly. He'll be, Port, he'll be Port Adelaide's second best midfielder next year. Do you put him, do you put him ahead of McRae? Dunkley more than McRae. Yeah. McRae's just an accumulator. He doesn't do damage. He just gets cheap kicks. And like Josh Dunkley lays tackles, takes marks, kicks goals. Jack McRae hangs around the back just getting kicks. Yep. Like he accumulates a lot and he makes up a lot of distance. But he also does a lot of side kicks and stuff, whereas Josh Dunkley's the guy diving on the ball. Yeah, I think he would be Port's second best midfielder next year because after what Connor Rosie did in the second half of the year, um, he's going to get better again next year. And Connor Rosie's going to be an absolute beast next year. But in comparison, he's probably a similar style play to, player to Ollie Wines, but he's really dropped the ball this year. So I dare say Josh Dunkley is better than Ollie Wines as of next year. Mm-hmm, I'd agree. Um, which is also going to make the midfield look a bit weird. And this is probably another player that might look at getting traded out now would be William Dr- Willem Drew. Because I dare say there'd be clubs that want Willem Drew because he can play a nice tagging role. He still does a lot of work himself. And like he's going to be pushing right down the ranks of midfielders now because like Zach Butters will probably get more midfield time next year. So we're already talking about four midfielders now before Willem Drew even gets a sniff. I love that. I think William Drew is William Drew. William Drew is probably the player that was getting squeezed out towards the end of the year as Butters and Rosie picked up. I think the midfield and Dunkley is a massive upgrade on William Drew. Um, is it William or Willem? Willem. Drew. Okay. Um, I think he's a massive upgrade over him. So I think, yeah, he can go back the other way. He probably only is worth a third rounder, but still that's something. Um I think a midfield that has Wines, Rosie, Butters, Dunkley looks pretty good if I'm Port Adelaide. If only they had Brody Grundy hitting it to him, but hey, you can't win them all, Port Adelaide. Just on this, Ryan's probably actually alarmed me to something because I did read today that um, apparently Port are actually going really hot after Willy Rioli. Yeah, I don't, I don't understand that. I figured it out. They don't have any capital to bring players in. He's a free agent. 
So Port are probably going to be trying to do what they did, like, what, four years ago. We got Jack Watts for free, Tom Rockliffe for free, Stephen Motlop for free. This year they're going for Willie Rioli for free. I wonder what other free agents they're going to be targeting this year. They just don't have any draft capital being, to bring the players in. So this well, is obviously Port's strategy this year. They'd have to go after a couple because whatever pick you're going to get from Amon is instantly cancelled out if you get Junior Rioli. So they'd want more... I'd rate Amon higher than Junior Rioli, so you'd want to get at least another free agent from somewhere. I don't know who it'll be, but yeah, not a bad theory. Rick's on to something here. All right, now this wasn't on the run sheet, but we were just talking about... What? Yeah, I'm just... I'm just, uh, we're, just doing, we're just doing a segment on the fly here. So we're just talking about players and their value. We just debated the three. But I was just looking at the top played... Top paid players in the AFL 2022, right? Okay. And I'll just read you the top. Well, I just want to go through and think whether or not the top five you think this year that they've got their money's worth, the club. Yeah, all right. That's fair. Dustin Martin, probably number one. No. Dustin Martin is number one between 1.2 and 1.3 million. Mm-hmm. Now, hasn't played much this year, obviously, for personal reasons, but. Definitely, ha- The club definitely hasn't got their money worth this year with Dustin Martin's contract. Not this year, no. I'm going to say not yet because I still think that Richmond are going to be one of the dangerous teams come finals. They know how to win games. He's back this week. If anyone's going to come, just rock up for finals and start dominating, it's going to be old mate Dusty. So I'm saying not yet. He hasn't earned his money. All right. The second most paid player out this week against Richmond, speaking of, Nat Fife. One point, uh, sorry, one million to one point one million. Now he hasn't played much this year at all. Injury, uh, injury prone. He's out again in the crunch time for finals this week. Has he produced one point one million dollars worth of football this year? No, he has not produced one point one million dollars worth of football this year, which pains me because I am a super fan of Nat Fife. Um, his best is as good as anyone in the competition, if not better on any given day. But I think he is not producing near that. Um, his plan at the start of the year was to play more midfield um, and just go straight in the guts again. But that never happened because he never got his body right. So that's a no for sure. He's literally a midfield rotation player. He doesn't even start in the midfield in Fremantle's best side anymore. Well, only because they're trying to bring through the youth. Not because he isn't their best midfielder. It's because yeah. that they're trying to bring through the youth. You've got it's to squeeze someone the, out. It's not because of the caliber of his his um, skill. It's because of the youth. But I, would I, argue, but I do argue, I can see where you're coming from. With, he's not even in the starting mid, really. I would argue Boak was still Port's best midfielder for the past three or four years, and he got squeezed out to the forward line because they wanted to bring through youth. Yeah, so, but when, when Boak played in the midfield, he was still good. Like, he could still be a starting yeah, midfielder correct, for us. Yeah, that's correct, but they squeezed him out in a couple of years ago and he had a really crap year because they tried to bring through the youth. So that's the only reason he's not in there. It's not that he's the best midfielder. It's that they're trying to bring through their future at the same time. So Fremantle got Will Brody and pick 19 for salary cap dump, and that player is keeping Nat Fife out of that team. Well, he's not keeping Nat Fife out of the team. He's Nat Fife's keeping himself out of the team because his body's shit. Yeah, oh, well, my answer is hell no. He's definitely not earning his money. I'll right. say slight no. All right, number three, another player who has been injured for a fair bit of a period of the latter half of the season, Jeremy McGovern, one to 1.1 million. 
has he produced? I think his early games this year were were very good, but I mean, can you can you shine in a team that is at the bottom rungs of the ladder and getting dominated every week? I would argue, and I'm just looking at the stats now, that he's actually the second best backman in the team, and Tom Brass, who got an All Australian nomination, is a better backman than Jeremy McGovern. I always thought he was a really, really good... He was an elite, sorry, intercept defender. Um, one-on-one, though, I would rather have Tom Brass any day of the week. So, it, um, yeah, he hasn't earned his money this year. No, he plays in a team that's just getting dumped on every week. Like, he's meant to be the defensive leader. West Coast didn't even show defensive signs of improvement and they're paying him more than anyone else in their team. No. Nah. All right, number four. We're just going to do the top five, but yeah. number number four... Buddy Franklin, 950 to 1 mil. Yep. Happy with that? Yep. He kicked um, almost 50 goals this year, I reckon. Yeah. That's worth it. Agreed. Agreed. So, so far, we've only agreed on one player out of the top four at the moment. Mm Mm-hmm. Yep. Apart from the yet from Rick. Uh, And number five, we talked about him before, or mentioned him, Brody Grundy, 925 to 1 mil. All these players at the top of the tree have had pretty average years through injury and all kinds of things. So Out of yep. his top five, Buddy's played the most. Yep. And he's actually produced this year, I think. He's he's done his done his due. You kind of got what you expected from Buddy, I would say, this year as a club. I would say you got more than what you should have expected from Buddy this year. He's like thirty four years old and he just kicked your no, life. He's like thirty six. Yeah. <laughs> so you've got you've got what you came for with that contract, but the other four, I reckon you'd be Yep. I would say Buddy stands out amongst them in return for dollar value, which will make for a very interesting 2023 for these blokes here. So just while we're on this, so we've already justified he's the only one that was worth that money this year. And Sydney tried to lowball him 500000 He wants seven fifty. Is he worth that next year? Oh, I thought that he was instantly worth seven fifty. I'd pay seven fifty for yeah. Lance Franklin I'd now. I'd pay him seven fifty. On, I mean, it depends how you value it. In marketing value, he's worth seven fifty anyway. So if not. 10 times that. So, yeah, 750 is an easy decision for me, but I know they have a lot of good players, including another one of Rick's boys, Chad Warner, who he's going to want some cash money soon. He's got to get it from someone. Why not Big Lance? Um, do you reckon Collingwood should be chasing Lance Franklin? Like, realistically, you don't want – like, Dan McStay, long contract, bad idea. Like, he is average. He's the third forward at Brisbane, and he's barely even good. Agreed. You could bring in Lance Franklin on a yearly basis, see how he goes with the same money with a lot higher ceiling value than what Dan McStay is going to provide. I can't argue with that at all. I would absolutely have Lance Franklin in my team tomorrow if he wanted to come to Collingwood. We would be a much better team this year with him in there and probably next. So, yep, Lance Franklin for me. And so just some more perspective here, which you talked you talked about Clayton Oliver before. This article says he's on between eight and nine hundred, and he's ranked fourteenth in this list. And next of that, you've got Trelaw, Lockie, uh, Lockie Neal, and Max Gorn, and Gaff, and Kelly, all between eight eight hundred and nine hundred thousand, along with Toby Green. Does Rankin slot into that kettle of fish, or is that just way overs now that you're looking at that kind of caliber of players there? Because he's going to slot in there. In that, in that top paid players. Say the players again. So, Tim Kelly, Toby Green, Josh Kelly, Gaff, Gorn, Lockie Neal, and Adam Trelaw and Oliver 
are all getting paid between eight hundred and nine hundred thousand. Well, I'd say only three of them are worth that money now. So yeah, Isaac Rankin does fall in a category of overpaid players who don't deserve it. <laughs> I would argue that Rankin had a better year than Dustin Martin, so he should be the top played player in the whole league <laughs> on that logic. So Isaac Rankin for number one for me. All right. So along with the polls for uh, the three that we argued about earlier, uh, we put up the poll for the quiz. Last week, I said it might be the last quiz. However, there was about 25 people this week that said they still want the quiz. So 25 million people. Yeah, that was so, a big return on vote. So sorry. Sorry to the people who didn't want the quiz, but majority rules. So I've, had to, I've scrounged some questions up for this week. Give the people what they want. All right, this week is focused on finals slash X Grand Finals trivia. Excellent. Let's do it. Question one. There has been a team. This is a very historic question. Question one. There has been a team that has won the Wooden Spoon and a Premiership in the same year. True or false? True, Carlton. I said my name, so I buzzed in. The answer is true. It is true. It was because when World War One happened, there was only four teams that competed in the in the t- uh, in the AFL that year. Well, Who won the it? AFL at the time, Fitzroy. Yeah, so yeah, they I came- knew it was Fitzroy, not Carlton. <laughs> yeah, so they they came as uh, they came fourth, but still won the flag because there's only four teams. So if you call that a wooden spooner, yeah. In that case, thank you. I would have lots of flags. <laughs> All right, question two: Which team has the longest drought for winning a grand final? Rick. Mental. Incorrect. Craig, it is St. Kilda. Stinky Saints. It is the Stinky years. Saints. 56 years. Oh, it's got longer. But fun fact, between 2004 and 2012, they won the most games of any club but couldn't get a flag in two grand final appearances. Some would argue they were robbed in 2010. I would argue the better team won. Didn't they play two grand finals in one year though? And lost both. <laughs> Stinky. Three. All right, question three. Which two teams share the longest drought for a grand final appearance of 23 years since they last faced off in 1999? Uh, Craig, North Melbourne and Carlton played in 99. Correct. Yep, I know my shit. Question four. How many times has there been a draw in the grand final? Rick. One. Incorrect. That is incorrect, Rick. The answer is three draws in the grand finals. Three. Wow. Rick, I'll give you five bonus points if you <laughs> can tell me tonight. if you can tell me the three years that there were. If you can tell me, apart from the twenty ten, which is the one you probably you know about, if you can name one of the other years. Nineteen seventy eight. Oh, oh, 74 or something, isn't it? 1977. Yeah, you said last week, one point buffer. One point buffer. So yeah, I'll so give you get one point for that. No, yeah, five points. You get two and a half points. I'll give you half. Yeah. yeah. So, there you go, Rick. Can you buzz again? <laughs> and I, I can't do a half buzz, so there you go. Uh, question four. No, that was question four. Question five. Which three AFL teams have never won a grand final? Rick, Gold Coast, GWS, Fremantle. Correct. All right, I reckon that almost puts Rick in the league with the uh, the lead with those bonus <laughs> points. <laughs> that would. All right, this is uh, the decider question. So, who is the only player 
in VFL AFL history to win the AFL Rising Star Award and play in the AFL Premiership in the same Craig, year. Luke Jackson is what Rick told me all night that he won the Rising Star Award and won the Premiership in the same year. That's correct. Well, then there is two answers to this question. Dear, oh, hold Rick, on. Unless, or the question I've got here says is the only player, and I'm pretty sure that this question was listed this year. Well, yeah, maybe Luke Jackson, maybe he didn't win it in the same year. Did he win the Rising Star? He probably Star is his third year. year. Yeah, probably no, a different he year. He won the Rising Star in 2021, and that's when the year Melbourne won the flag. But he debuted in 2020. He was one of the ones where he didn't play enough games in his first year. Okay. But still, according to your question, he should be okay, well then, fine. So it's two. So okay. you, you get that, that question as uh, but there is, there is one more. It is Joel, the man who ducks himself, Selwood. He did in 2007, won the Rising Star. Why did you Star. look that up at the same no, time? I, I just knew. You talked a lot before you got to that answer. <laughs> Turn your laptop around, you cheat. Oh, I can't even see that. <laughs> I've got Microsoft Word open. He's minimized it, though. <laughs> Are you happy to call it a draw? Like, that was a decided question, 1-1. One, one. Yeah, you get 1-1. Yeah, one, I'm one, happy so. to call it a draw. I had more points, actually. I'll win again. Let's <laughs> go, boys. <laughs> We'll just move on to some trade trade talk and some draft chat for to wrap up the podcast. Now, we talked about it before, but Grundy off the table for Port Adelaide. Uh, is he going to Melbourne? Do you reckon he's going to end up there? Yes, I do think he's going to end up in Melbourne. Fortunately, we want to pay money to Melbourne to take him. I think he's much better than having to pay someone else to take him, but that's the law of the jungle. Um, so be it. Uh, Rioli, we already talked about getting targeted hard by Port Adelaide. Rick's a huge fan. His face right now says it all. Definitely not a fan of that. Where, If Rioli comes to Port Adelaide, where does he slot in? He'll play forward. Like, we just lost Motlop, and we are short a small forward, but I don't think he's the answer that Port want. I really hope aggressive means, like, we'll give you 300 grand or we'll beat you up. No, we're going to give you big money. Okay. I have a bombshell that is just... Come to light. This is breaking news right now for our trade segment. Do we have a breaking news sound, Peter? No. I can reveal from 7 News Melbourne off Twitter that Tom Mitchell is exploring a trade away from Hawthorne and Collingwood is keeping track of Tom Mitchell's situation. That is breaking news within the last half an hour. Collingwood is now trending on Twitter because of it. Huge news if Tom Mitchell is out. So now you're telling me that <laughs> Colin would have gone from potentially getting Tim Taranto to getting washed up Mitchell. Mitchell had a decent year. Again, we bring this back to about five segments earlier. He was forced to not play in the midfield so they could bring through youth like some bloke called Jai Newcomb. Um, the real so rising he, star. He, he sacrificed his game. Uh, the Joel Selwoods, the Bokes, the Pendlebury's, you name them. Um, if he goes to Collingwood, he'll probably just play midfield. That's excellent. All right. So there you go. Yeah, breaking news for you. Uh, Taron Thomas uh, article come out today saying that he was a gettable get um, before Clarkson took over the role, but um, now he's believed that he'll stay put after having a chat with Clarko. Do you think um, that's a good move from... Taron? Oh, I think he should stay um, at North Melbourne, see it through. Um, they've been through hard times, but hopefully the light is at the end of the tunnel. Would I pick him up if it was another team? Yeah, he's got kind of rosy type X-Factor, so yep, I would pick him up. 
I don't think it's a good like he is young enough where he can benefit of riding North Melbourne out to them being a better team. But he's probably also, as Craig said, like he's a ready to go player now. Um he would have options if he did decide to leave. Um if I was Taron Thomas, I'd be getting out of that bombshell while he still can. All right. Josh Dunkley, you come out yesterday that he may be linked with Brisbane. No. Nah, all the mail is poor. I think they want him the most. They'll offer him the best deal is what I hear also in terms of dollars and cents. Um, I think he gets to Port Adelaide at the end of the trade period. Yeah. Uh, the, the rumours started circulating because his missus plays professional netball here. Yeah, apparently um, he's got some family in Brisbane as well. So, Yeah. Um, he also has actually come to Adelaide a few times because I follow him on Instagram and I've seen he trains at the gym I used to train at a few times and he's gone to the cafe on the corner of my street a couple of times. So I think he is already familiar with Adelaide. He's going to be here and he's going to live in the western suburbs. All right. Uh, Connor McKenna has requested a return back to the AFL after going back to Ireland before, for COVID family reasons and apparently Brisbane are the front runners. Brisbane are front runners for everyone. Yep. They are literally trying to patch holes in a leaky boat. They can have him. He's a good footballer, but I feel like he would have, many would have probably gone past him by now anyway. Yeah, I haven't kept up with how good he is at Gaelic football, but he probably shouldn't quit his day job unless uh, it's going to actually get to a good club. He was all right at Essendon. Like, he wasn't a superstar. Mm. So he probably will end up at a team like Brisbane. They're pretty happy to have average players who can't win finals. And my favorite trade rumor of the week. Uh, is Billy Frampton is allegedly almost over the line being at Collingwood. Excellent. Good player. Very happy to have him. <laughs> um, probably pay him eight fifty a year if I had the option. What do you think uh Frampton's worth? What would you be happy what would you be happy to pay him at Collingwood? Nothing at all. <laughs> I don't want him. I want him run out of the AFL first before I want him at Collingwood. But when he comes to Collingwood next year, we're very happy to have him. He's an exciting prospect. Um, yeah. I wonder what teammate he's going to punch at the first day of training. <laughs> I don't know. Thug's nah, life. Realistically. He's depth. Pop, you wouldn't he's want depth. to pay much for him. He's depth. He's pretty much there as backup if Darcy Moore gets injured. Yeah, he is. Yeah. Uh, just before we wrap it up, we talked about it before, but Fife's ruled out this week. Libba is also ruled out for that game. So two big players out for the finals this week. And... Darcy Wilmot is debuting in the finals game for Brisbane. It is the first uh, first debutant for Brisbane ever in a finals match. Yeah, they're a leaky boat. As I said, they're just trying to patch holes and debuting a kid is desperate times. 